Hello and welcome to Platt's Brussels to Beijing Commodity Policy Podcast, where we examine how changes in regulation and government policy affect commodity markets in Europe and Asia. I'm Sebastian Lewis, Platt's Head of Content for Greater China, and today here in our Singapore office, I'm joined by Yenling Song, our Senior Analyst at Platt's. Hi, Sebastian. Hey, Yenling, how's it going? <laughs> so, Yenling, the big thing in Asia, in the US, across the whole world, Trump presidency, what does this mean for Asia? Will Trump rip up TPP? Will he label China a currency manipulator? And will he put a 45% tariff on Chinese imports to the USA? What's your take? Uh, on the currency manipulation um, label, I think it's interesting that actually when the US called China a currency manipulator a couple of years ago, 2013, 2014, I think the currency actually strengthened at the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the point all over this period, right? From 2010 onwards, the, the, the renminbi was actually strengthening. And yes, it has been weakening recently. I think that's fair enough to say. Yeah, in the last year or so. And of course, you know, I think this is getting a bit technical. But if you look at the difference between the offshore rate and the onshore rate, the offshore rate, which is the kind of free market rate, is actually weaker. Yes. Which suggests that if the Chinese government weren't intervening in the in the exchange rate, in fact, the currency would be even weaker. So it's difficult to say... Chinese is a manipulator, and if it is manipulating, it's manipulating in America's favor. That's true, because the government is stepping in, but it is uh, doing so to be able to curb capital outflows, for example. Yeah. 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 I mean, it wants stability on the exchange rate. Now, when it comes to tariffs, this 45-cent tariffs, I don't see it. I've recently written a blog on this for The Barrel, where I look at kind of America's trade balance with China. And yes, China would suffer, but actually America would as well, and especially in terms of commodities. Actually, the U.S. is a much bigger soybean exporter to China, then China is actually an exporter of steel and aluminium and steel and aluminium products to the USA. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird, huh? Yeah. It's, I think it was, when we looked at it, uh, it was Boeing aircraft was the big, you know, the most exported commodity, followed by soybeans. Anyway, it's all on the blog. You can have a look at it and have your take on it. Well, I think of a 45% tax that he, you know, that he said he would impose on China would uh, definitely make everything more expensive for oh, the American so. consumer. Very much so. I mean, yeah. you know, in terms of you know, low-value manufactured goods, plastic goods, footwear, clothing, etc., it have a big impact on the U.S. consumer. Practically everything that comes in China. And I don't think that Congress would allow something like that to pass in the U.S. I, look, I think it was great rhetoric during the campaign. Whether or not it happens remains to be seen. But I think when we talk about regional trade partnerships, and in particular this TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, we're on more rigorous ground, right? Because, yes. you know, Trump has actually officially announced, I believe, that he will scrap it on day one of his presidency. It's unlikely that this will actually be ratified in the US now, I think. But it's a good thing for China. You mean yes. TPP won't be ratified? You yes. Agree? Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of China, look, I think it is, because if America decides to walk away from TPP, which, let's remember, was done specifically to exclude China, right? Yes. And I think the point about this was was to get a regional trade partnership where China, having seen the advantage of being part of it, would be forced to enter into that on terms that were basically beneficial to the U.S., would have forced China to restructure its industry. It might have included action, for example, non-tariff barriers on common standards like many of these more sophisticated trade partnerships do. My take is if China wants to do one, it could be very much more a mercantilist trade and tariffs but no tackling of non-tariff barriers and harmonised standards. So now we're going to throw around a few acronyms here. We've got Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the RCEP. Yes. Which includes India, but not the USA. Not the US, right? yeah. And then you've got this APEC initiative, which is the free trade area of the Asia-Pacific. That's the FTAAP. You're keeping up here. 
Now, that, of course, is an APEC one, so it wouldn't include India. But I think either way you look at this, I think what we're going to see is if the U.S. pulls away from the Asia-Pacific in terms of the TPP, China starts putting its own trade deal in, which is going to be mercantilist and basically beneficial to China. Yes, definitely. And, of course, it dovetails with what it's also trying to do with its one belt one rope policy. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of traction in terms of uh, Chinese uh, funding going outwards. Now, the OBOR is this kind of big initiative, slightly amorphous initiative, that's kind of trying to recreate the old trade routes, the maritime and the Silk Road, yeah, the maritime routes. So that's kind of Southeast Asia. We're going to see the Middle East, East Africa, through to Europe even. Yes. And I suppose the AIB, another acronym. (laughs) Let's get used to this. You're going to hear a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Now, that's about kind of basically funding a lot of infrastructure needs for Asia. Yes. It's political as well, tying them into the China. That was actually China's um, answer to the TPP. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we're going to see is the point about this is is tie people economically and to some extent politically closer to China. I think the other key thing to point about any of these trade deals is that, look, the way I see it is if you look at the TPP, it included actions on not just trade and and, and reducing tariffs, eliminating tariffs, but including standards and tackling non-tariff barriers. Mm. Now, we don't know, but my take is... Any attempt by the Chinese to put in some sort of regional trade thing, whether it be the RCP or whether it be the uh, FTAAP, would not include much on harmonising standards and trying to tackle non-tariff barriers. These would probably impact China's domestic industry. I don't think China wants to be forced by other people to reform its industries, but it does want to reform them on its own terms, right? Yeah. So having said that, obviously, there is a parallel uh, strategy in terms of uh, state-owned enterprise reform ongoing in China at the moment in the current five-year plan. And we are starting to see more market-oriented changes in terms of its energy policy, Uh, you know, the participants in sectors which were tightly held by the state. But I guess that's not really related to what's going on on the trade front. uh, No, I tend to agree. I think China wants to reform the industries on its own terms. Yes. I don't think it really wants external actors, external countries coming in and forcing it to make measures where it can't control them, right? Yeah. Mercantilist trade deals done which benefit potentially Chinese industries... What's all this mean for commodities? You know, there's no import tariffs on crude oil iron or anyway. My take is these downstream industries, that's oil products, it's refining, it's aluminium, it's steel. I don't think China wants to see these reformed through applications of non-tariff, tackling non-tariff barriers or common standards. So I think generally what it means is potentially continued relatively high level of exports until China reforms those on its own terms. Yeah, and I'd also point out that when the when China actually became a member of the WTO, a lot of the um, uh, criteria for membership was that it started to do internal reforms of uh, many of these sectors. Yeah. And we haven't seen that happening uh, until much later. It's true. I mean, I don't think China has fully implemented its term no. of the WTO accession. Yeah. It was supposed to be within five years, and yes. now, what, we 15 years later, it still <laughs> hasn't fully done it. I totally agree. We're really just going to have to wait and see what happens under Trump presidency, aren't we? I think it would be an interesting time <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be revisiting this over the next few months. Anyway, that's all we have time for this month. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Brussels to Beijing.